If you have a Bible, Joshua chapter 10. Joshua 10. This has to rank as one of the greatest physical miracles in human history. I'm reading from verse 1 through verse 15. Isaac, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. So he and his people became very frightened when they heard all of this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than the city of Ai. And the Gibeonite men were very strong warriors. So King Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, uh, Ted, Joe, <laughs> Willie, and he, he picks off five other kings in their army. Why can't they have a normal name, wild name? So they say, come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these, get it, these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a unified attack. This is big. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. So the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to come and attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I've given you victory over them. Not a single man will be able to stand up to you. Then Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic. Did you know he can do that with your enemies? Yeah, without your help at all, God can make them afraid of you. You, you, you feel weak, but God says, I can put them in a panic. You watch. So he threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to, to uh, New Bronzeville, <laughs> killing them all the way on up to uh, uh, Bernie. Yeah, I don't know. You wouldn't know where this was anyway, all right? As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Ezekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed by the sword. Did you know God even controls when he wants to? Hail. If you look, if you look in the Bible, there is a place he sent 100-pound hailstones and destroyed an entire army. I mean, if you've ever been hit with a golf ball-sized piece of hail, you know how bad that is. Imagine a hundred pounds. Did you know God used wasps to kill an army one time? I mean, hordes of wasps. I think sometimes we have a God that's just too small. Our God controls everything, everything. A fish, a wasp, hail. He can use anything on behalf of you, his people. Well, it goes on to say, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. And he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood in its place 
and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had finished defeating its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set like it does on a normal day. Then he says, there has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. Wow. By the way, this was a miracle. And by the way, it didn't happen again. This is a one-off. A lot of miracles are one-offs. They happen once and never again. This is one of them. This does not give me the authority to go out and make a doctrine that I, as a spirit-filled believer, can command the sun to stand still. Well, you look at me like a raccoon on I-35. Of course not. This was a very unusual miracle. Miracles don't happen like every second, or we'd all get one, right? So it's the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the power of God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Never take something that was an unusual one-off and make a doctrine out of it. Like I can command that uh, sun to stand still. Okay, get out and try. We'll all just hold off right now while you go outside. And we'll run a timer and see how this works. No, God did this one time. Never before, never after. A woodpecker came to land on a pine tree on the top of a mountain and just as he drew his head back to drive his beak into the bark of that tree unknown to him the entire top of the mountain had been rigged with explosives by a mining crew and so just as he plunged his head towards the pine tree somebody pushed the plunger and blew the top of the mountain off and it blew the poor woodpecker halfway across the state he dusted off his feathers and limped home to his wife and said honey you ain't going to believe what I did today. <laughs> See, one of the problems when God blesses a life with a miracle is that we start to own it for ourselves. Look what I did. And there is almost an arrogance in some teaching today about miracles. If you'll just do it this way, if you'll just say this, if you'll say this four times this way, you'll always have a miracle because it worked for me. Wow, that is very, very unbiblical and dangerous. We're a people infatuated by formulas. The most popular books always seem to promise the essential steps. You know, five steps to a great marriage. And you married a woman, it takes six. <laughs> you be very careful. The unbeatable recipe, the immutable laws, the winning solution. See, we can't bear flexibility or complication or intangible variables. We want to cut to the chase, get to the bottom line. I want it yes or no. And life and God don't work that way. This kind of corrupts and weakens us spiritually, and we retreat into oversimplified theological card houses built on teaching CDs with all the answers. We want to know. We lust for answers, ones that always work. We want spiritual issues to act like our power windows, push-button controlled, dependable, and under warranty. You know, from church growth to faith healing, we demand answers in black and white, no nonsense, and without complication. Well, good luck with that. It's very complicated. And God does some interesting things in different ways at different times, even when it comes to healing. And we're going to pray for a lot of that, too, in just a little bit. He didn't... When he came to blind eyes, he, he never did the same thing twice. 
He spit in one man's eyes. Want to try that? You better be good if you're going to do it. Another time he just put his hands on a man's eyes. Another time he just spoke. Sometimes he touched people. Sometimes a person was far away and he just sent his word and spoke the word and they were healed. Don't put God in a formula box. It won't work that way. You know, Jacob laid his head on a rock and he had a vision of angels ascending and descending from heaven. And if you go out and lay your head on a rock, you're going to need a chiropractor. That was a one-off. You can't make a formula when it comes to the miraculous, although people with embarrassing results, sometimes shameful, try. Okay, the problem is that life, truth, God, and people are very complicated. And nothing is more complicated than miracles. Let me pause a minute. I remember John Wimber, who, who is now in heaven, but he used to teach healing seminars, and I had to go get him when I was with James Robinson to bring him. And John was a wonderful blessing. And he was a no-nonsense kind of a guy and very simple, kind of laid back. But he said to me one day, he said, Rick, when God's doing it, you don't have to say much. He says, I've watched charismatics. They think that if they pray in tongues louder or if they increase the RPM of how fast they pray in it, it will force God to do it. He said, if he ain't doing it, it isn't going to matter what you do. You can set yourself on fire and nothing's going to happen. If he is doing it, you can say, in Jesus' name, and you don't have to give his zip code, mailing address, middle name, date of birth, and DNA. You j I, I was with Wimber one night in where was it, uh, the, the Nashville, Tennessee. And we were having a conference for James Robinson supporters. And Wimber was there, and he was going to pray for people who, who were sick. And we had a, had a wonderful service. And going out the door, this woman in a fur coat with pearls said to John, John, would you pray for me? I have a dead uh, cornea. And John and I was walking side by side. He just put his hands on her eye, and he said, See! She screamed, scared me to death. She screamed, fell flat on the floor, pearls went everywhere, and her eye was open. And Wimber and I are going to get a Coke and a hamburger that night, and he said, can you believe that? <laughs> I, I, I say that to, to push a little fun at, at weirdness. Uh, God was doing that. It didn't, he didn't say in Jesus Christ's name of Nazareth. He didn't say that. He just said, see. See, when, when Jesus does the miraculous, he says he only did what he saw the Father doing. If you want to improve your batting average, quit swinging at every pitch that comes over the plate. You've got to kind of sense what God might be doing or not. If God isn't doing it, there's not much I can do about it. If he is doing it, it's usually quick. I never see Jesus praying long for anybody until people come to this altar and they'll pray till they go through menopause. <laughs> if God's doing it you, and you're praying in faith, it doesn't take that long. You just trust God and you step out in faith. I, I want to knock some of the nonsense off being spirit-filled, believing in the supernatural, and take away this silly stuff that it's, it's based on how loud you do it, how fast you do it, or what formula you use to do it. Because if you read through the Bible, you just see they just break formulas all over the place. They never do it the same way in any place. 
It's just interesting how that works. I, I watched John Wimber see a few incredible miracles, and I saw him on nights when nothing happened. Well, John said, Rick, I don't take any blame when nothing happens, and I don't take credit when it does. It's God. And if he isn't doing it, we'll pray again. And we'll pray again. And that's what you ought to be doing, right? I'm going to pray, and every time I pray with anybody, I'm believing God's going to do something. And if I don't see anything happen, I still believe I'll pray again that it will. Pray without ceasing, Scripture says. Okay, and while I've often addressed this issue, it remains to be said, there are defeated and hurting and wounded and sick and downcast who need a miracle from God. And some of you are in this room this morning. We believe in the miracle power of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did at Galilee, he can do in San Antonio. If he is the same, I used to argue with professors in Bible college after I graduated from secular college. I used to argue, why do you say the age of miracles is over with the last apostle when Jesus said, I hadn't changed? Nothing's changed except your dumb theology. See, the same Jesus that raised from the dead is the same one who has resurrection power at his command. The same God who made the sun stand still is the same God we worship in this church today. He is a God of miracle power. I believe that. So just because you haven't seen one doesn't limit God from performing one. One thing I've learned is just because the track doesn't run past your house is no proof there ain't no trains. See, the same God who piled up the waters of the Red Sea, turned the Nile River into blood, spoke his word into a virgin womb, still lives unchanged by either history or bankrupt theologians. Our God is an awesome God, an unceasing, unchanging, undiminished God of the miraculous. See, when you see the sun setting on the hills above Agilon like Joshua did, it's kind of hard at that moment of crisis to remember who God is. Joshua didn't have time to think, no cool, stress-free moment in which to decide who God is. That had to be in him before he ever got to Agilon. The knowledge has to be baked in or it can't be conjured up in a moment of crisis. So read about miracles. Collect them like stamps. Press them between the pages of your mind. Dig them out of your Bible. Rehearse them with people of faith. And when your memory starts to slip, get around people of faith. Pour faith down inside of yourself. The God of Joshua lives and he's unchanged by all the goofy and faithless theologies in this world. Okay, so how do we become most likely to receive a miracle from God? From this story, a couple of simple thoughts. Number one, you got to hear from God. Number one, you got to hear from God. Verse 8, and the Lord said to Joshua, the most important thing in receiving a miracle from God is to get a word from God. It'll keep you from running ahead of the Lord. It'll restrain us from acting impetuously. It'll keep us from arrogance and pride. And it gives us a quiet confidence the Lord himself is now working on my behalf. In the early 70s, Dr. Yonggi Cho from Korea spoke about a group of young Korean believers on an evangelistic mission. And they had come to a river that was swollen and impassable because of flooding rain. Finding the bridge swept away, they claimed by faith the experience of Peter who walked on the water. Bear in mind, one time, only one recorded in the Bible, other than Jesus, one time. Are you listening? I don't find any doctrine. Go home, get in a bathtub, see, see what you can do. And they plunged in 
taking that verse out of context and drowned. And the tragic, unnecessary deaths brought reproach on the Korean community. That's sad. You can't pluck a scripture out of thin air and bend God back over a barrel to make him do what you want him to do. You've got to hear from God. When Peter walked on the water, he didn't do it impetuously. He didn't do it presumptuously. He walked on the word of God, which was come. That's what Jesus said. If he says come, baby, you can walk on water. But he better say come. And here's a little warning. You can't walk in a word God gave to somebody else. God may tell somebody else, give away all your furniture. And I remember a guy that did that, and God blessed him. But he tried to convince everybody else, if you'll give away all your furniture, yeah, I'll tell you what will happen. You'll be at goodwill picking up something. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't walk and take an anointing from a word given to you privately by God. Remember, that word won't violate Scripture. It won't violate the law. It, it won't violate God's own character. But it, be, it would be an unusual word that's just for you. And when God gives that word, you can move on it. But I can't, you can't move on a word I get from God. That's what a lot of people try to do. Well, Rick did it. Well, it doesn't matter what he did. Did God speak to you? Or are you just trying to copy what God did for him, hoping to get the same result? I remember, oh, I better not say the word. Uh, there's, a, there's a minister that tried to get everybody up at 5 o'clock to pray an hour. That lasted about a year. And then as I traveled around, preachers were saying, Rick, we ain't got five people that show up now. They've all dropped out. How do, I, how do I kill this thing? I said, you just stop it. If there's no interest in it, you just stop it. But he was saying that if you'll do what I did, you'll get what I got. That was the fallacy. If God tells you to get up at 5 o'clock, you'll be able to get up at 5 o'clock. And you pray. But don't bother me. <laughs> if I get up at 5 o'clock, it's probably to go to the bathroom or catch an airplane. But when I get up, I engage God after a cup of coffee, usually. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to show you? you can't, I can't take a word that God gave me and impose it on you. That's illegal. That's witchcraft. And it won't work. So you got to hear from God. See, and when you, it's faithful, patient, discipline, waiting, so hard for modern, impatient American Christians. I have, on rare occasions, had the Lord speak to me pretty strongly. I declared it, and it happened. I remember, uh, Jim, you might remember this. If you forget, I'll tell you afterwards. I know at your age it's hard, but... <laughs> Jim and I go way, way back, you know, pre-Jurassic Park. But there was somebody who worked for us years and years ago that had baby twins. They were just little infants, and one of them was diagnosed with leukemia. They had five, at the medical center, they had five pathologists testing this child, and they were all in distress. People, Christians, came in and says, well, you must have done something wrong. Number two, you don't have faith. All kind. You don't need the devil. Just get Christians to come around you sometimes. And I heard this, and I went up at midnight. I waited till all the visitors were gone. I rebuked them. I said, how dare you let these people trash talk you into negativity? God's given us authority to pray, and I'm coming here as a senior pastor of this church, not in my own authority or strength, but in God. I laid my hands on that baby, anointed that little baby with some oil they had there. I rebuked and cursed that foul leukemia out of that baby, and amazingly, they kept the baby a week, and they 
they had five pathologists keep testing that baby. They found no leukemia, no cancer. That kid is now grown in this city, a grown teenager in this city that everybody was given up to die. Now, I can't do that on demand. I have also prayed around the world. Judy used to keep pictures. She had huge billboards of pictures of women with babies. Don't look at me strange. I prayed for those babies. I didn't sew for those babies. And these women who were unable to have babies overwhelmingly got pregnant and from around the world. I prayed in a parking lot, a public library, a cash register. I prayed as somebody going into a car and I prayed in church. It was an amazing thing. Now, did it work every single time? No, but about 90% of the time it did. It's quite amazing. It wasn't based on feeling. It was just something God in his grace was willing to do. I wish it could happen for everybody that wants a child. But my point was, when you just know you know, you, you, you pray and something is going to happen. I, I've, I've just had a number. I wish I could say it happens all the time, but it doesn't. And sometimes when you turn a page in your Bible, you turn. I wish people would preach that, some of my Pentecostal friends. You turn the page of a Bible, you turn 70 years of a man's life. And you see one or two miracles. You, and then they get up and preach like it's every six seconds where miracles happen every single day. Well, maybe not to you every single day. Does that make sense? But they do happen. So don't, don't get out of balance on this thing. Try, try, try to keep your focus there. It's right to pray. It's right to ask. But I'm trying to show you how this thing comes. It's not on demand. If There are covenant promises about a lot of things, anytime, anywhere, when you pray in faith. But a miracle is where you go outside the natural and you can't get that on demand. There is no covenant promise that I can get a miracle when I want it. That's not there. Or I'd get one for every one of you and myself included. Now, I can't do it on demand, see? And those who say you can are foolish, and they bring harm and hurt to the body of Christ, and they're always in a scandal. But when you clearly, absolutely know you've heard from God, you receive the supernatural gift of faith, and you know it. I mean, what boldness it produces when I know I know, my gosh, you're unstoppable at them. It's like, well, how will I know I'm in love? You'll know, dude. You will know. And it's the same about faith. You know. You wait until you hear from God will dispel your fear, gives you confidence that God's good purpose is going to be worked out in your situation, gives you strength beyond your own, and it gives you a calm assurance. See, hearing is a key element. And it's been my experience and the testimony of many believers that once you hear from God, faith is easy. Until you do, acting presumptuously to force God to do something is extremely dangerous. So Joshua proceeded because he had heard from God. The Lord said to Joshua, second, obey as specifically as you can. Obey as specifically as you can. Don't sit on your hands and wait passively for God to do everything after he speaks. Verse 8, and the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid. I've delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Well, Joshua could have said, shoot, that's great. Let's go home and have coffee. If God's going to destroy them all, nothing for me to do. I'll just put my sword up and go to bed. But look at verse 9. But Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly and went up to Gilgal all night. The moment he heard from God, he called his men together. They marched all night and caught the enemy by surprise. 
He got his army on the move as soon as he heard from God. And, and I think what happens a lot of time is people do hear from God and they camp. But God says, I'm going to give you victory, now attack. Do what I tell you to do. I believe God's going to give us victory in quickly reducing our debt here at Summit. Things are happening behind the scenes. But victory won't come by sitting on our hands, hoping we give as we're able, we do all that we can do, and God will supply the need. God, every miracle in the Bible was predicated on somebody doing something. Might have been small, but it was something that predicated that miracle. In our own home, someone may be facing a severe financial crisis. And God might say, take a second job. Sell something. Give something away. On three occasions before we built this church, I can go way back when we were in a flea market, way over on Bandera, three times Cindy and I gave away our savings uh, towards a home. We were, we, we, I remember thinking, oh, it'll take me forever to get this back. It didn't. I've had the Lord prompt me on an occasion to give away a car. I've had the Lord prompt me to pay for something for somebody else. And here's what I bet while you're looking at me like that raccoon out on I-35. <laughs> he's talked to you too. God's always talking to you. And he's asked you to do something. Why don't you take care of that? Why don't you sell that? Why don't you give that away? Why don't you do this for your own benefit and need? But you don't do it. See, there should be much more happening, but people sit back in camp and they just let it pass. God gives you an opportunity when he says, I want you to do that, pay for that, give that. So I, he's going to do something for you, but you won't obey. And as a result, you sit on a miracle. So we've tried, and I, we're married, so we're one flesh, so I want to be sure we're in agreement when we give something away, when we, we have the opportunity to, to take care of a need that arose in somebody else's life. That's in addition to our tithing and giving. It's just being open to it. If you want a big life, learn to listen to those occasional promptings from God. And don't go around looking for somebody to give you something. You give something. You sell something. You make something happen. God's got a lot of things you could do. And, and, and always be thinking about his kingdom first. But if he tells you to help somebody or do something for somebody, you say, well, I don't know. They probably don't need this. The issue is not what they need. The issue is what you need. And God says, if you'll obey me, I'll do this for you. He that honors me, him will I honor. Someone else may be struggling with drug or alcohol addiction. And God says, look, I will deliver you. I will set you free. Now get yourself into a 12-step program or a drug rehab clinic. God can use that to help you. You're not going to save yourself. You're not going to deliver yourself. You're going to need help. And God uses people to help you. There are times we make a statement to God and then we act in faith. In a life-threatening disease, God may deliver you by laying on of hands and anointing with oil. And we do that. Or he may require you to submit to a doctor and have surgery. Do that. I think it's in Proverbs, I uh, forget, it's 19 or 9. I forget in one translation it says, He that does not use all means to heal himself is companion to him who commits suicide. So God, Luke was a physician. God expects you to use all means. I've seen people heal supernaturally and, and they didn't need surgery. I've seen others with good medicine and surgery be completely healed. Thank God. Who cares? Thank God. You can't tell God you must do it this way. If God has an antibiotic, <laughs> I won't say who, but I had a friend once, uh, one of my closest friends, who wouldn't take any medicine. 
and felt that was the life of faith. I'll take no. I says, look, all wisdom comes from God. He said so. So God's given technology and wisdom to create an antibody to kill pneumonia. But he crawled to the pulpit, laid on the couch for six months with walking pneumonia because he wouldn't get a shot. I said, dude, you could have been well in a week with a shot. That shot came from God too. But you see how silly? Now he would do it. But back then, he thought that would grieve God because he would get a shot or take an antibiotic. And you girls that lay down and have a baby, I would take drugs. <laughs> uh, epidural, I'll take anything you got. Cocaine, I don't care what it is. You shoot it, snort it, ingest it. I don't think I could do that. And all the women said amen. <laughs> yeah. So obey. The miracle is predicated on you and me taking the action God tells us. You know, he says, any among you sick, let him call for the leaders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. Pray a prayer of faith. Lay hands on them. And I'm thinking, if God said to do that with three-in-one oil, or if God said to do that with ketchup, I just would do it. Why are you going to argue with the God who made everything? He said, here's a plan. Here's how I've ordered it. Do this, and this is going to be the result. But we don't want to. Well, we'll just put you on a prayer list. No, dude. I want somebody with authority, spiritual authority in the church, to lay hands on me, anoint me with oil. Now, sometimes in the Bible, they just laid hands on them. Sometimes they laid hands in anointed with oil. Don't get a formula going. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. What if I don't have any oil? Spit on them. Get some butter. Just lay hands on them. I mean, don't get silly. If you want to have communion and you don't have these official wafers and a little cup of wine, you can do it with tea and a biscuit because it's symbolic. You're activating the Holy Spirit through a symbol. See, it's not the symbol. It's the Holy Spirit behind the symbol. So as soon as Joshua heard from the Lord, I'm having a good time, Jim, sorry. As soon as Joshua heard from God, he marched the army all night to Gilgal. He obeyed the Lord. Right now, stop and just think. Is there something God's told you to do and you haven't done it? The moment you do it, you qualify for divine intervention. The moment you obey. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Better than anything you can think of. Just like Nike, do it. Just do it and see what God will do. When Jesus fed the multitude, God didn't drop fish and bread out of the sky. He took a little boy's five loaves, two fish. Matthew 14, verse 19. Jesus blessed the people, told the people to sit down in groups of 50, told the disciples to start distributing. And in the process of obedience, the miracle power was unleashed. If they hadn't sat down, if the disciples said five loaves and two fishes, and we got 5,000 people, they don't count women and children in the Bible, about 20,000 people, and you got five sardines and two uh, tortillas, I'm thinking, this is, this is going to look bad. This is not going to be good. But as they obeyed, it just kept reproducing. It just kept reproducing. Some of you don't understand how when you tithe, God can let that 90% keep reproducing. That's the supernatural part of God. Oh no, I've got to protect myself. I'm afraid God won't take care of me. Okay, dummy, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself and rule out what a supernatural God could do for you. Obey, obey. So God began unleashing his power to do what he wanted to do when they obeyed.
I believe one of the greatest truths of unlocking miracle power in any life or the life of this church is the act of obedience on the part of a man or a woman who has heard from God is always met by the supernatural power of God who has heard from that man or that woman. And that's called a miracle. So here in the middle of having heard from God, they've marched all night to ambush the enemy by surprise. The sun rises, the battle's on, and everything's going Joshua's way. The fight goes on all day, but the sun is setting, night's coming, and some of the enemy troops are going to escape. And this man Joshua, you talk about gutsy, stands up on the battlefield, looks up in the sky, and said, sun, by the living God, stand still. Oh, and moon, halt. And it did. Can you imagine? All the balances of physics are being thrown out of whack. But God in heaven heard the voice of a man on earth speaking in absolute confidence that God would hear and do it. And we're going to make some confessions in just a minute. And this confidence and assurance to speak with authority and power, this moment of a need of a miracle, comes from a man who heard and obeyed God. A miracle is the intervention of God in the natural order. If H2O, that's water, turns into Merlot, that's a miracle. See, God is not imprisoned by physical laws. He created the laws for us so that we don't have to exist in the nightmare of a random universe. So the sun rises, sun sets, it's got order in it. God made that. But the God who made the law can defy that law. And he can stop it. He can make molecules of water coalesce to sustain the weight of a human body. And he did when Peter walked on it. He made them do it. He can cause a severed ear to grow back. He can make the blind to see. He can pluck a gold coin from a fish's mouth to pay their taxes. Any good fishermen in here? April the 15th would be a good time for you to show up. One is denying the miraculous. That's an extreme I want to avoid. One is to make God conform to the shape of my limited intellect. The other is to arrogantly claim a man-centered theology of miracles that is under my control. I get to dictate what God will do and how God will do it. So Christianity's life in the valley of miracles, but remember what Joshua said, there will never be another day like this. True miracles don't happen every single day, but they ought to happen. And a miracle is not going to hurt you. Yeah? So submit to the sovereignty of God. Believe with all the faith that God gives you for the miracle. And when it comes, rejoice and humbly give God all the credit. And always remember, whether the sun comes up or goes down in your life, the Lord is still God. And if the sun goes down over your life, don't stand still. Rejoice in a God who can still see in the dark and work in a valley. And I believe this same God wants to unlock some miracle power in lives today in this room. And if God is the God of miracles, let's expect some miracles. There are people here that need a miracle from God. And I believe God wants to save, to heal, and to deliver. He wants to restore relationships. I believe that the miracle power of God is so profound, it leaps all banks, defies all understanding, will not be controlled by men, will not be manipulated by men, cannot be conjured up, and can be brought to bear on any given situation by the hand of Almighty God when people will simply listen and obey. And in just a couple of moments... We're going to be making some very positive, authoritative confessions of Scripture over your situation 
and over your life. Your word declares it's not by might, not by power, not by clever marketing or our own oratory skills, but it's by your Holy Spirit. If anything happens, it'll be because of you. We give you glory and we welcome your presence as we make these confessions and believe for deliverance, for healing, for turnaround. We ask you, Lord, come, show yourself strong on our behalf and may our lives be forever changed in Jesus' name. Now, would you have a seat for a second? Let's put this lesson into practice. If you need health or healing in your body, I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. And I want you to make this confession with me. And maybe you can stand for someone you love that's not here and pray on their behalf. So I'm gonna ask you to speak with me and I want you to open your mouth and proclaim it like I do. Don't mumble. Say, Lord Jesus, I make this confession in faith believing you are my Lord and Savior. You are my great physician. You are my healer. By your stripes, I am now being healed. By your precious blood, I have victory over every sickness and disease. Father God, you have set before me life and death. I choose life. You have set before me blessing and cursing. I choose blessing. I will not fear, for you are with me. Your word is my strength, my fortress, my high tower. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will praise you. I will declare your greatness. I will bless your name forever. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I am begotten of God. The wicked one touches me not. Thank you, Lord. You sent your word to heal me, to deliver me from all destruction. I command every affliction, every disease, every sickness that has attacked my body, I bind you, I rebuke you, and command you to leave my body in the name of Jesus. I have been given power of attorney to use his name. So I hold the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of Jesus against all destruction set in my body. I shall not die, but I shall live and see my children's children and the glory of God. So I praise you, Lord. The victory is mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Now, if you need to stand on another one, it's perfectly all right. Those of you that need guidance for a choice you must make or protection, maybe you're in a legal battle, I want you to stand. And remember that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. 
So let's make sure we confess as we're doing his word, his scripture. So say with me, say, Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith believing. The Lord is my light and salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and my foes stumbled and fell. Though an army gathers against me, my heart shall not fear. In this will I be confident that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And in the time of trouble, God will hide me in his pavilion. He will set me on a high rock. My head shall be lifted up above my enemies. The Lord is the glory and the lifter of my head. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing praises unto the Lord, for the victory is mine today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you again. You can be seated. And those of you that need a new beginning or help in your finances or prosperity in your business, I want you to stand and make this proclamation with me. And remember, this one is a conditional covenant. Give and you shall receive. With the same measure you give, it shall be given to you. Honor me, I will honor you. So please remember, that one has a stipulation. If you have not been faithful in doing it, you simply repent. Say, Lord, I take responsibility. I was afraid, forgive me, but I set my heart to do what you've asked so I can see what you promise. So say with me, say, Father God, I make this proclamation in faith believing. It is the Lord that gives me power to obtain wealth. It is the Lord who will plant me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. You will make me the head and not the tail. You will give me houses I did not build, vineyards I did not plant, wells I did not dig, because I honor the Lord with my living and giving. The harvest will return to me exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine. And the harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, running over, more than enough, not barely enough. I will be blessed going out. I will be blessed coming in. I will be blessed in my basket and in my storehouse. God will force Satan to restore to me sevenfold all that he has stolen. My harvest is coming. It is abundant. It is from God, the giver of every perfect gift. I thank you, Lord, for a new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless you and praise you. Now everybody stand up, and we're all going to confess this one. This is my favorite one, and this is for all of us. Say, Lord Jesus, I make this proclamation in faith believing 
I overcome Satan when I testify personally to what the Word of God says that the blood of Jesus does for me. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually being cleansed from all my sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am made holy. I am set apart to God. Through the blood of Jesus, I have access and boldness to enter the presence of God. Through the blood of Jesus, God is in heaven, interceding on my behalf. Satan has no place in me, no legitimate power over me, no claims against me. It has all been settled at the cross. Through the blood of Jesus, I am free. Now listen, King David said after his proclamation, therefore I will offer the sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle and I will give praise to the Lord. So how about for 15 seconds, we do just do a little praise, a little thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Mighty God, thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you, nothing is impossible to you. Thank you, Lord, for divine intervention, for restoration. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.